welcome to the Evoke Ag podcast, the show where we take a look at the ag tech and food innovations changing the future of farming. Hello and welcome to the Evoke Ag podcast. I'm your host, Steve Honor. This week, we speak to Naeem Zafar, who made the Silicon Valley home 25 years ago And in that time, he's founded seven companies and he's invested in and advised on more than 30. Until four years ago though, he'd had very little to do with agriculture, let alone attempting to produce tech to solve problems for the sector. An electrical engineer by trade, now Naeem is single-handedly disrupting the post-harvest agricultural industry through his machine learning and Internet of Things solution, Telesense that's helping growers predict the quality of crops in storage and transit and provide real, actionable insights. And it's all thanks to a sliding doors moment involving a group of Australian executives on the east and west coast searching for storage solutions for the grain industry. Here, our Vocag contributor Megan Woodward explores the many benefits of this wireless sensing and predictive analytics solution and what's next. Thank you so much for joining us today, Naeem. I am very interested to know exactly how you describe yourself and a little bit about your background. Introduce yourself to our Australian and international listeners. Well, let's see. I am an educator. I'm an electrical engineer. I'm an entrepreneur. And uh, as an electrical engineer, after working on many projects, I realized the joy of solving problems and able to see the benefit people receive. So I've been starting companies since I was 26. This is my seventh company. Uh, My last company was in mobile security space. We sold that to Oracle, and people worldwide use that technology to log in from their mobile devices to corporate servers. Uh, If you have an iPhone with a fingerprint sensor, which was the previous generation iPhones did, we invented that. Apple bought that company with two hands in between. And uh, other companies were in chip design space. So I've been starting companies, investing in companies. I'm in Silicon Valley for 25 years, so very plugged into the ecosystem. And I also am a professor of entrepreneurship at uh, University of California, Berkeley and Northeastern University. You're a busy, busy man. Tell me about how Telesense started. Well, actually, Telesense started a bit of a serendipity. And its roots were in Australia. So I had started the company on IoT, Internet of Things, wireless sensors, collecting data. But in IoT, I was looking for the right use case. We looked at seafood monitoring from the time you catch it till the time you consume it. There were a lot of other cheaper competitive products. Then start looking at vibrating machinery, anything which requires maintenance. Can we predict when the maintenance is due? Well, a lot of big boys that were doing that too, like Honeywell and General Electric. So looked at dangerous gases in tunnels. A ball, you can throw it like a bowling ball down a tunnel. It sends information what's ahead so you don't kill yourself by walking into a fume of dangerous gases. So we were trying all these things till we ran into a group of executives from WA who came to Silicon Valley looking for innovation. I showed them the bowling ball. They said, this is curious. Would it work in a grain? And being an entrepreneur, I said, well, of course it does. They said, really? We don't believe you. 
come and show us. So I flew over to Perth, showed them the ball, and then looked at how else were they doing things. And I said, you know, forget the ball. You have a bunch of other things we can help you with uh, by continuously collecting data on the stored grain. And so it gives you insights when to monitor, when to when a problem is occurring before it becomes a problem. And they said, that'll be interesting. Can you Can you do a pilot? And six months later, that CBH was our first customer. And a few months later, then we got a second customer in Grain Corp in the east coast of Australia. So this is how we started. And then, you know, once we had the solution, we had customers, then we raised money and rest is history. It's a very, very impressive story. And I think it really speaks to taking opportunity when it's in front of you and also pivoting when you, um, you've got a product and you're not quite sure where it's going to land. Have you been surprised at, I guess, the level of disruption you've been able to afford the post-harvest ag industry? Well, uh, not surprised, but it has its own unique complexities, which we uh, had not encountered in uh, previous industries I was serving. See, before we were serving uh, uh, different industries in security, uh, in, uh, in design verification, people were always eager to try new technologies and see how it can help them. They wanted an edge. In ag, we have been growing food and eating it for you know, thousands of years. People are not ready to jump on new technology. They're skeptical. They want to see it work. They want their neighbor to use it. So the adoption rate is slower. They want a proof point. And second thing is a very seasonal business. So you all almost have to wait for the next year before you can prove that this thing really did work and did add value. So there were some new dynamics I had to learn, um, which was a challenge. But, you know, that's why not too many people have entered this area. And nice thing is once you enter, you have a pretty favorable competitive landscape. Absolutely. So on that note, tell me, what's your your key value proposition or the point of difference of Telesense in this market? The key value proposition is actionable, prescriptive insights. Don't show me a bunch of numbers. Tell me to turn, the, turn on the fans on bin number six for eight hours starting at midnight. That's actionable. I can do with that because somebody else has analyzed the grain conditions outside weather forecast, what is our target quality metric, and tell me what to do. So this requires having a deep understanding of the grain, how it evolves, how it spoils, having uh, the correct data points on the weather, on the grain condition, moisture level, CO2 levels, and able to cook all that in something people can use and act upon. Nobody does that. That's what we figured out. I would love to know some of the – actually, I'll take a step back. How many years ago did this first conversation actually start to where you are now? Uh, about four years ago. Okay. That's a quick turnaround in four years. I'm interested to know the initial feedback you were getting. Could people believe that what you were offering was actually going to work at the time and then the feedback you've had since that it's been incorporated um, on both the West and the East Coast grain markets? Yeah, I think the, in the WA, the problem is everything is so far away and remote. So it used used to take an employee like two days to drive to some far-flung storage location, take down a bunch of data, drive back. So they will only do it once every two weeks. 
And a lot can go wrong in Australian summer if you have like, you know, 5,000 tons of canola in a vertical silo. So for them, they justified based on having real-time data available so you don't have to drive and the saving in petrol and people was, was worth it. Later on, once we deployed the product, that became only one of the many benefits. The fact is that if you have 100 locations, then you can see all of them in a single screen and, you know, to call and ask Joe, hey, what's going on over there? That became a much more interesting thing. Then we start developing an additional insight. It's not just about how is the condition, but what should I do? When should I do it? When to blend it? If I have six bins and I have an order to for two, which two should I sell now? Which four will hang on longer? So these insights only became obvious over the last few years as we started to interact with them, deploy them, listen to them, and understood the issues. Hmm. I'm, you've given us sort of, I guess, an, an overarching view, but can you break down how the technology works in really basic terms? Right. So it depends. The basic point is get us the data on the temperature, moisture, and carbon dioxide level. Then we will tell you what to do, what not to do. Now, how do you get the data conveniently and inexpensively? Well, it depends on the shape of how grain is stored. If you have a bunker or a ground pile, then you you can't put you know some cable. People use temperature cables in the vertical silos, and they have a bunch of sensors, and that can tell you what the temperature is. But it's kind of manual process. You have to go and plug something into the cable system and read the values. So first thing we did was, if you have vertical silos, let's design a wireless box which will send the data automatically, cellular connectivity to the cloud. So you don't have to send a person out there all the time. If you have bunkers or flat storage, then we came up with a spear. This is a two meter long spear with five sensors in it. You insert it from the top. It has a bulb, which has all the electronics and a five year battery, which will send the data to the cloud. And then same thing could be used a smaller one meter version for rail cars and barges. So we had to design three or four different shapes of product to collect the data. But all the magic then happens in the cloud, analyzing the data, figuring out what action to be taken. And then you have an app for that, and it comes to your mobile phone, or you can log into a website, and it tells you all your location and what to do, and have historical data, future data, predictive data. That's incredible, and it sounds like despite um, it be quite serendipitous how you came into the Australian market. It does sound like something that has been tailor-made for our geography and our cropping cycles. Um, I'm interested to know what sort of um, parallels exist between our Australian grain market and the use of this TeleSense tech and how it's also applied in similar markets in the US or or elsewhere around the world. Right. So we are selling into uh, US market as well as uh, European we are just dabbling into Latin America and Black Sea uh, because this company is early stage. So it's very interesting to observe the differences. Uh, first of all, WA is almost all co-ops and off-farm storage, but Eastern Australia is mostly and growing on-farm storage. So that's an interesting trend. Uh, other thing about contrasting Australian market with others, Australian market 
and you may not be surprised when I say this, is quite sophisticated when it comes to agriculture. They are the pioneers in hermetically sealed storage. They have huge grain export economy. So they, they have very, very high standards. Like, let's take wheat. Australia has six levels of wheat, quality of wheat. U.S. has five. Russia has two. So it's, it's in very strict standards also. So that's difference. Other differences, uh, a lot of fumigation takes place uh, in Australian market because a lot of that is export. That is not a big thing in Canadian market or even European market because of the temperature, how it's stored, how long it's stored, how it's consumed. And of course, then the last point is the different types of crops. In Australia will be canola is big. Uh, you know, of course, wheat is. Uh, but U.S. is corn and soybeans primarily. And in Europe, there are a lot of smaller farmers, a lot of seed farmers. So there are different dynamics and different products and different different scenarios we have encountered, which was not obvious to me when I started the company. Mm. What about the um, the adoption of the technology itself? How did you find it in Australia versus other parts of the world? Because I guess the target audience of farmers, especially in Australia potentially, are sort of in that early majority category. They're not typically early adopters of technology. Yeah, they're not, and they're much more cautious about new technology, and they for example, you know, there are a bunch of certification. We had to, uh, you know, RCM and, and CE, which Australian demanded, but U.S. were cowboys. They said, I don't care. Just show us something. Does it work? So U.S., you find a lot more cowboy and cavalier attitude about trying things. Much more caution in Australia and as well as Europe. Uh, but the nice thing about Australia is you, after many years of drought, you had a fantastic harvest last year. This year is looking very promising. And because of COVID restrictions, a lot of grain is piling up, which is very attractive for our, our, our product because when there's a lot of storage, there's possible spoilage, that's when you want to monitor it, then when that's when telesense is needed. So in some way, after suffering for three, four years, uh, Australian ag market is doing very well right now. Absolutely. And are you finding too that, I mean, I don't know if this is actually monitored or whether it's anecdotal, but have you found that you're getting feedback that growers that have access to this technology and are using it are, I guess, rolling the dice or making a gamble further um, to sort of optimise their harvest, potentially planning more in a different way because they know that they've got this end game support? Answer is cautiously and it's what I'm calling staged adoption. They want to try it on one bin and see if it fits how they work and operate and then expand. So the staged adoption, nothing wrong with that. That what we have seen in Australia more than other places. Uh, but nice thing is that size of the storage is big. So once you've proven yourself with some growers, uh, the word spreads fast. So... I think I, you know, I think the market is very attractive because of the dynamics and very careful consideration for quality for export, which is not true in some other parts of the world. So that's why Australian market to me is very favorable. Mm. I'm keen to know, um, and a lot of my discussions um, with people in similar spaces that have come into the ag sector, their background is not ag, um, similarly to yours. Um, 
I'm interested to know some of the differences that you've found between working in your previous roles, um, you know, your previous four startups um, by the time you got to Telesense and the differences between working in this sector and others? So there are many similarities. I think the main thing is if you think about that, Airbnb was not started by a hotel people. Uber was not started by a taxi company. So it's not strange that somebody from outside the industry comes in and able to look at this same problem with a different set of eyes. And I think that's exactly happened with us too, because we were not from the industry. We did not know that this would not work. We asked a bunch of dumb questions, and that led to some insights which other people have not had. And plus, second point is being growing up in Silicon Valley, having exposure to artificial intelligence, machine learning, wireless technology security, gave us an unusual advantage, an unfair advantage almost, by looking at one of the oldest industry, agriculture, and see certain things could be done differently. So somebody who's you know grew up in, in in a farm may not have the same point of view as we were able to have a fresh set of eyes. So I think it has worked to our advantage. And now that you've dipped your toe in the water, just a little bit more than, than dipping, I might suggest, um, but are you now in a space where you're looking to expand Talisense or scale it to a point where you can look at not just other crops but other sectors within the ag industry? Yes is a short answer, but the long answer is there is no hurry to expand prematurely. There's just so much to be harvested, if I can use that pun, in this segment, this segment alone, the post-harvest grain uh, supply chain is $71 billion a year. If we exclude China and India, which is hard to do business with, and just the developed world, is $13.5 billion opportunity. So this is very tempting for entrepreneurs to get excited and look at the next flashy thing they should grab on. I'm resisting the temptation. Uh, but your point is correct that technology is applicable to other perishable commodities. It's not just unique about grain. But the key point is deeper you understand the problems, more you can serve the customer by adding on additional products. There's a lot more to harvest, a lot more money to be made just staying focused. That is wonderful advice wrapped up in that quote name. Um, and I note too that you have been quoted as saying that entrepreneurship is a powerful tool that can alleviate poverty and extremism from the world. Agriculture has a part to play in that, do you think? Huge, absolutely. Yes. You know, all the, the, there's a people growing grain in every part of the world, even sub-Saharan Africa. And if you can, uh, and usually they're working with very little information. If you can democratize the information on your mobile phone about the pricing, about what to grow, what the weather is going to be like, what, when to harvest, when to store, that can that's a life-changing decision because a few extra pennies per pound or per kilogram is life-changing. So I think this is a I'm particularly motivated about this company being a triple bottom line company. The benefit goes beyond just the profit. It's social impact. It's environmental impact. It's health impact. What are some of the things that have surprised you, either positively or negatively, about working within the Australian market? 
I think what uh, has been most difficult for us is your ultra-conservative COVID restrictions. I have not seen anywhere else in the world, with possible exception of New Zealand. So it's been very hard to connect with people. This business is on a handshake. You don't do a video call and sell something to a grower or a farmer. They they want to develop the trust. They want to shake hands. And that has been very hard given the Australian restrictions. But having said that, uh, in terms of openness to experiment, uh, and uh, although their pace may be slower, but the minds are not closed. And that's been a positive thing about Australian market. And that's why we have set up an Australian entity. We have hired people from uh, Australian grain industry. So we have a small team and hope to expand that team. We are seeking grants and research opportunity in Australia. So we are very bullish on this. That's great. And it's always makes Australians very happy to hear that you're employing Australians on the ground uh, to work with you. What are some of the insights that you've been able to garner by having those boots on the ground while you've not been able to um, be welcomed into our borders? Yeah, so, you know, it's been just hard for them to visit us and vice versa. And uh, and I'm, I'm planning to grow the team next couple of years as the restrictions are finally lifting and now that we have a couple of larger customers, that opens up door to many other people to trust and try it. I think my frustration has been is, is slower adoption. I wanted to be three yards ahead of me where I am in Australia. I was banking on, but it's just, you know, one step at a time. It was COVID restriction, is seeking the certification many companies demanded in, in Australia, not in other parts of the world. But slowly, we use this COVID year to overcome those difficulties. So now we feel like very well poised to uh, expand our footprint in the 2022. Excellent. As you mentioned uh, earlier on when we first started chatting, you also lecture at a number of universities. I'm always interested to hear from people that work in academia in this space around what the students that you're speaking to and teaching, what excites them at the moment, Um, and particularly in regards to this conversation, what students are talking about in the space of ag tech. Is that something that they're looking into or are they looking at um, other sectors as, I guess, a a goal um, beyond university? Well, I think uh, people who come from a farming background, they're immediately attracted to that because they can directly see how it will benefit their families and their neighbours. Uh, second trend is ag tech is suddenly hot, partly because of climate change we are all experiencing around the world, partly because it's more fashionable to worry about what we eat, what we consume, how was it produced, how was it stored. Those were not the socially popular themes 10 years ago, even five years ago. Now they are. So I think those two trends are very favorable, which attract young people towards EdTech. That makes us all very happy here at Evoke Ag to hear that. What's next, uh, name for Telesense? What happens in 2022 and beyond? So what happens is, in addition to just geographic expansion and some new products which are, we are cooking, the focus is on data science and machine learning. Every bin has a unique profile, a unique thermal profile, a unique ventilation profile. 
As we apply those adjustments to predictions, then you're going to be much more accurate. So that's one trend. The second thing is to plug into the supply chain. It's not just sufficient to tell you when your grain is in healthy shape and when it needs tender, loving care, but you want to plug into other tools in the supply chain, uh, online marketplaces. You want to be able to supply information about quality as well as quantity so growers can trade on an online platform. So this is our goal for the next couple of years. In addition to improving product and new products and reducing the cost, is to plug into the ecosystem right and left so more people can find use of it, even in all the way from growing to trading, from what to plan to who to sell to. There's a whole supply chain ecosystem. So we are connecting to the people to our left and people to our right. There's lots to be excited about. What do you hope you can tell me about Australian adoption uh, over the next five to 10 years? I think the next five to 10 years, the trend is on-farm storage. Before people paid a price, anywhere from 20 to $40 per ton, Aussie, for grain to be handled by another company. Could be a co-op, but somebody else who stored it, fumigated it, managed it, shipped it. Well, with a tight market and more online tools, the trend in Australia is, well, maybe I can do it myself. Maybe I don't have to pay the $40 a ton to somebody else to do it. Maybe I can do it for half the price because I have tools available now. I can manage a contract with somebody in Philippines to buy my product. So this trend is good, and this trend favors new electronics tools and software, and we find that to be very creative to our business. You've um, cornered a market there because collaborative research and technology that allows Australians to work solo is what we're all about. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you so much for your time today. We greatly appreciate it and we really hope to be able to see you uh, on Australian shores sooner rather than later. Thank you, Megan. Pleasure to talk to you. That was Naeem Zafar, the co-founder and CEO of Telesense, speaking to our Vocag contributor, Megan Woodward. Thanks for listening today. My name is Steve Honor, and to stay up to date on food innovations changing the future of farming, be sure to follow Evoke Ag on your preferred social media channel or head to our website, evokeag.com. And until next time, have a great day.